Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walter Show. God bless you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever, however you may be listening. Whether it's on a podcast, which you can get at the Robin Walters Show, or just Robin Walters Show on any of the major platforms, or Rumble.com, which um, we have reports. It takes a couple days for the Rumble program to load. I don't know why. We're trying to work on that. In which case, if you're looking for me on Rumble, it would just be Rum- Robin Walter Show. No the and no space between the words uh, up in the uh, selection box there. Okay, we're going to get rolling here today. But before I do, I do want to let you know, I uh, forgot last week and I forgot the week before, that the uh, new and uh, somewhat improved version of the Rapture Revisited, finally a lawyer takes a look at end time events is now available on Amazon.com, which I'm not crazy about Amazon, but right now that's as far as we've gotten. We're working to have it up on Barnes & Noble, uh, various other venues. Uh, It's uh, only very slightly updated, uh, just a few scriptures, maybe two paragraphs total. Those of you who have the book already, you would not need to buy an updated book, updated version. However... Having said that, Christmas is coming, right? It's September, uh, stocking stuffers. So if you want to order it for someone, be sure and put in Rapture Revisited instead of just Rapture. There's a lot of Rapture books. And the cover has been changed. Now, my son, uh, who handles the tech side of this uh, for us and kind of the business side, to whatever business there is. I don't take a dime from the contributions. I don't get a dime from the book sales. It all goes in, 100% goes into programming. Anyway, I, we did a little different thing on the cover, which I just thought I'd let you know. I think it was a, a, a godly insight on his part. We went out at sunrise and at sunset because all duels, all gunfights seem to occur in the westerns at sunrise, sunup or sundown, right? Well, I took my beloved Bible holster, an idea which God gave me about five or six years ago when I was ministering on Mackinac Island in Michigan, to have a really nicely tooled leather, and it is nice. I did not spare expense on this and had a holster made with the ammo belt, but for to hold a Bible. So the cover you're looking for, don't look for the old clouds, which is what every other Rapture book has. This one will show a close-up shot in low light of my Bible holster with my Bible in it, and I am reaching for that Bible to draw, quick draw. And it's in black and white, kind of old-timey, western kind of deal. Uh, it is the right cover for that book. Uh, God bless my son. I just appreciated his idea because it's the right thing. That's the time we're in. We're, we're at a fight in the OK Corral when everything is not OK. 
There is a battle royale that we are in the middle of. It is getting worse as the Gestapo assumes greater control over this country. The left-wing mob is just that. No brains, no cojones, and no morals. And they're in charge until God chooses to deal with it as a result of our prayers and repentance. But today, I want to, I want to touch on a hot topic, and I want, to, I want to cover it today and probably not ever cover it again. But I want to talk about, uh, and if I get to other topics, I have others. I got a lot more. How far I get, I don't know, but with respect to the student debt forgiveness. Okay, student debt forgiveness is a synonym, that phrase, for buying votes. But the idea of buying votes has been around for a long time. That's nothing new. In more recent times, we have uh, Barack Obama, right? He's uh, given out free cell phones. Unethical, yes. Illegal, apparently not. But even if it was, who would know? Because nobody ever pressed any crime against Barack Obama. Nobody ever checked his passport or his birth certificate. Nobody ever investigated him. Nobody ever raped. Nobody ever touched Barack. Because he was on the left. He was on the left side of the law, which to them is the right side of the law. They don't raid his home. Of course not. They don't check anything. But Trump is guilty of everything that he's never done, and Obama's innocent of everything that he has done. But he gave out the free cell phones. Unethical, yes. Low grade, yes. But he got away with it. That was buying votes. And b- votes have been bought in different ways. I understand that. So you, you have this big fundraiser. You're giving speeches. And maybe the candidates, maybe they're serving free hot dogs. Cokes, maybe they're free balloons for the kids. I don't know. That stuff is sort of generic things, but it kind of goes up and up. But when you get to forgiving student debt to get reelected, or I'm sorry, to help your compadres get elected in the November midterms, that's a whole different baby. Totally different thing. So it's been around a long time. So if in the student debt forgiveness, which is a a, uh, a buying vote scheme. The question is, first of all, who wins in this thing? And I'm going to draw a little bit from Inez Stepman, uh, a few things I'm going to quote her on here because uh, she was uh, a bit of an inspiration for doing this piece, but most of this is my own research. But consider if you worked yourself through college. Well, no, wait a minute. Let me start with who wins. That's what I said. So who wins here? Well, for starters, the students who already have this augmented sense of entitlement because they've spent too many times in government institutions called colleges and universities, way too much time. They've been indoctrinated. They've been infused with left-wing ideology. They've come to believe that no matter what happens, they're entitled to lots of good stuff this sense of entitlement. Well, let me let me just say this. Uh, first of all, to all of those who have worked their way through college, and I was one of those, and those who uh, worked but couldn't cover the expenses and accumulated some debt, and you have it paid off, 
I want to give you congratulations because you don't have any student debt. Either you never did or you don't any longer until a few days ago. But now you have student debt. That's right. What do you mean? You, yeah, you have student loan debt because you get to pay for all the other students' loans. You thought you were out of it? No. Taxpayers get saddled with this. You get to pay their loan debt. Now, I graduated from college broke, and I was thrilled. Broke as in, I don't have any debt. I mean, call me Mr. Empty Pockets. But the fact of the matter is, I wasn't trotting down to the bank to make a payment. I worked my fanny off during school, through school, 60 hours a week in the summertime. All so that I could graduate fulfilling a biblical passage that I didn't even know about, because I wasn't even a Christian at the time. And that was to owe no man anything but love. Well, I did. I wasn't necessarily the most loving guy, but I wasn't indebted. I didn't owe anybody anything. But now I do. I have to cover somebody else's debts just like you do. So let's cover just who does win here. First of all, the students, who, as I've said, already have this augmented sense of entitlement of these government institutions called colleges and universities, which are just simply becoming woke indoctrination centers. They have discovered, at least by their way of thinking, that not only they are entitled to a whole bunch of free stuff, that there actually is a free lunch. But because of Joe Biden, no brains, I'm a left-wing puppet, Biden's precedent, which he has set now, it's no longer a case of, I'm, I'm going to get a free lunch. They will soon demand a free dinner. Back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about the leech? I forgot what book it's in. It just popped in my head here from the Old Testament. What does it say about the leech? The leech says what? Give and what? And give. Basically, the pastor says give and give some more. A leech develop, it lives off somebody else's labors, somebody else's blood, in the case of the, the uh, thing itself. I don't know if it's an animal or an insect or it's a slug, I guess. But whatever it is, it lives off from a host. He doesn't produce anything on his own. He's a blood sucker, in essence. But having gotten blood for free, what does he do? He demands more free blood. This is the past this is the precedent that has been set in this country by Joey, no brains, no morals, no guts, Biden. We will have a soon to be, if not already, Next batch of graduate students demanding free dinners now. The next set of winners, the colleges and the universities. Because their tuitions go up, which are already a gross overpayment. You know what? Yale's got over $4 billion, or I think, I don't know if it's 4 or 40 I know it's, it's one of those two numbers, but it's not less than $4 billion in their endowment. Let them pay. What's it for? You see why they, this is why you never ever give to an endowment campaign. I don't care if it's your church or if it's your favorite college. I don't care if it's a Christian university. 
I switched on this. I did a 180 on this a number of years back. When I worked for a brief time, I'll leave them nameless, for a Christian nonprofit, and they became very poor stewards of somebody else's money. And what happens, look at look at Yale or Harvard or Princeton or these schools, which have humongous endowments, they can just flip the middle finger of diplomacy to the whole world because they are no longer held accountable for all the crap that they teach and indoctrinate. Can't hold them accountable. They're actually financially dependent, yet they keep sucking like a pig out of the trough from the government and raising tuition every time there's an increase in student loans. Fact. Thank you, Inez Stepman, for this fact. For every dollar of student loans, tuition rises 60 cents. There's simply more for them to demand because they know there's more available. They're the leeches. Give and give some more and give some more. Dig deep. Yep, that's what they do. Most of the college university professors are grossly overpaid, in my opinion. And we pick up the tab, paid for by student loans. We ought to just go slash the budget to most government institutions. Why? Why not? Now, I understand. I could not homeschool my way to a law degree. I understand you cannot correspondence your way to a medical degree. But there's a lot of programs that aren't worth jack squat diddly. And in fact, before I move on from this topic, because it's kind of a hot topic with me anyway, I have a friend who's a property and casualty insurance agent in Santa Barbara, California. And she was bemoaning to me the situation of the difficulty of hiring a ground floor person out of college to be able to develop an insurance career. And like I said, she was bemoaning the, the candidates they came in. And when I talked with her, the last candidate that had come in, I think the day before, some girl out of the University of California, Santa Barbara, with some worthless degree, like, I don't know, sociology, psychology. I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, if you want to be a sociologist, go get that degree. If you want to be a psychologist, go get that degree. But 90% of the people take it because it's easy. They don't know what they want to do. And the psychology students tend to, in my opinion, seem to be more screwed up than if you had never taken all the psych courses. And why? Because, well, it's taught from a purely secular, humanistic perspective, not from a biblical perspective. I mean, I knew a psychologist who had through... um, Hypnosis, a stop smoking program. He smoked two packs a day. The woman, a psychologist uh, with a, a focus on marriage counseling, was on her third marriage. None of that crap was biblical. That's why it's crap. So I told my friend, I, I said, why are you advertising for a college degree? That's just something on paper, but it doesn't relate to any qualifications whatsoever. They could have they could have partied their way through four years, and they don't know anything more than they did in high school. 
And she said, well, the person that came in the day before came in with flip-flops on, cutoffs, smack and gum, wanted 60000 a year to start, and flexible hours. All because she had this big hoity-toity psych degree from the University of California, Santa Barbara. She said, what, do you, what, what should I do? I said, first of all, change your advertising. Put in there <clears throat> no college degree necessary. Maybe helpful, but certainly not necessary or required. She said, really? Yes. What you want is you want somebody who's a self-starter, intelligent, wants to learn, hardworking, and if they could, as a plus, bilingual, English and Spanish. You see, those are attributes that are that relate to character and work ethic. The degree doesn't mean squat. It has none. Look, I'm not against I got three college degrees. I got a BA, I've got a Juris Doctor degree for law, and I've got an advanced law degree. So I'm not knocking it. It's just a waste of time and money for a whole bunch of stuff. So, end of story. I went back in there six months later. There was a very pleasant, fabulous girl working there who took care of my stuff, immediately energetic, bilingual. She was Hispanic. And my friend gives me the thumbs up. Hopefully that's the last time she advertises for a crazy college degree. Which is meaningless for that job. You, just, you need to be sharp. You need a good command of, of the English language. And if, if plus, if it's Spanish too. My wife does not have a college degree. She didn't go to college because her father died when she was very young. And didn't want to be a burden to her mother. But she went into the insurance business. And there was a time where she was the annuity wholesaler for Merrill Lynch throughout the entire country. And then those com companies have a tendency to want a pound of flesh. And they pushed her and pushed her. She said, I'm out of here. But interestingly, she saw the job posting for her own job. You need not apply unless you had a college degree. She didn't have one, and she was number one in the country. I mean, what does that tell you? They're looking for something to make the qualification process easy. They don't want to dig down and get to know the person they might hire. They want superficial things to screen certain people out. Huge mistake. So anyway, going back, number one, I said the students win who have their debt wiped out in whole or in part. The universities win their teachers. They're all... They're, Clapping, they're high five and their chest budding because they're going to get pay raises. They're already overpaid, grossly overpaid. Number three, who else can win? But I want to double back to this later. I know this is the left's thinking. It's the politicians. The same reason Barack Obama gave out the cell phones. Joe Biden's rankings, ratings among college students is actually dipping. Now, do a, the, the bulk of them support Trump? Of course not. But there's a significant, though not a majority, but there's a significant uptick in anti-Biden young people in college and early college graduates. Scares the bejeebies out of Biden. The left has always taken students for advantage, treats them like crap, but now they're getting tchotchkes, loan forgiveness, always treated blacks like crap. 
But Obama took care of that because everybody I saw with a free cell phone was black in the photos I saw. They fell for it. Whatever's necessary to keep your minions on the plantation, the left will do. So the politicians are trying to buy it. So, will it, will it work? I have my doubts. I'll get to that in a minute. So the next question we have is, so who loses? If, if students who are getting their debt released, or a portion of it, and college university professors and personnel are getting pay raises because uh, t- they can raise tuitions and student debt will go up, and the politicians, who loses? Everyone else. Everyone else. Let's just start with those who never went to college. They didn't want to go. Maybe wanted to be a welder. Welders, I might add, are making twice as much as sociology graduates from UCSB. But they get to pay for the UCSB loans. You know, there are some lower lifetime earning workers. They're not going to make as much. But why should they be paying for the tuition for those who are going to fly by them, presumably, on the wage scale? Why should they subsidize the careers of those who are going to earn more than they do? They lose. The next group. I want to draw on Inez Stepman for this. She said the next group of losers, in fact, she said they're not losers. She said it's a new class of suckers. Every one of those people who worked hard and long and got their loans paid off. Suckers. That's what she calls them. I mean, goodness sakes. Would not you be ticked off? Now, those years are behind me, and I didn't take out the student loans. Like I said, I worked my fanny off, and it's been a long time ago, but I feel for everybody who's just got done paying off a student loan, and for every younger to middle-aged worker who now gets to pay for student loan abatement, reduction, or elimination, some of which are for kids who are from extremely wealthy families being subsidized by people, most and many of which will be earning less. A new class class of suckers, she calls them. Now, I want to address what, what I was mentioning here before about... Will this aid Biden politically? So if you stacked up on the left the numbers for all the current college and university students and students who are still paying on their loans, which may be up to, I don't know, what made age 30. So that's a pretty big group. Then you got the college and university professors and personnel, many of whom aren't worth jack, but they're not a big group, and then you've got a politicians or even a smaller group. Now, let's suppose that they are juxtaposed, meaning sitting alongside all those who never went to college, which starts at what, age 18 or 19 right now, all the way through to retirement? All those who never went to college and all those who may be like 35 and older who have paid off their loans, 
and now get to look at the freeloaders that they have to subsidize. Let's tabulate the numbers. I wish I had the numbers to tabulate. I don't. But I have to believe that the pile on the right, the stack on the right, those behind door number two, those who didn't go to college and those who did but have their loans paid off are a bigger group than the ones that are behind door number one. The students will have them released and the college and university professors. I believe it, that this is going to, and I hope it does, I hope it miserably backfires. And so what Biden says, now this is, this is stunning. Biden comes out and says one of the reasons that we need student loan forgiveness is costs are so high for school, costs of getting a house, costs of food. With all the, all the high costs, the students need a break. Oh, really? Well, let me ask you, Joe, with your head in your derriere, Biden, who caused the inflation? And who, by these generous and ever-increasing student loans, is behind increasing the cost of the tuition? Who is behind increasing the student debt? You and all your Democrat cronies. You. You're, you're the cause, Joe. But yet you run into this thing like you're some big hero. Like you're there to, as the big problem solver. You know, and the Lord just gave me this. I think it's a good analogy, actually. Biden's behavior in this matter reminds me of, well, not reminds me, causes me to think of an arsonist. He sets fire to the building. He's obviously the cause of the blaze, right? Then he runs away and then returns as a bystander or somebody who happens to see the fire with with buckets of water throwing it on there and attempting to reap the the glory and the praise for being a volunteer fireman for the blaze that he set thank you god for that analogy i think it's it works this is joey biden and the precedent that he sets? Well, how do we deal with this? I mean, there are a, a couple of approaches. I don't know that any legislature has the guts. But for starters, you mandate at these government schools decreases in tuition. Yeah. decrease. Yale doesn't need any money. A gazillion schools do not need any more money. They'll take it. Yeah. They're in the pocket with somebody pimping around like Biden on this issue. So cut the tuition rates at the schools. Then cut this and companion to that, you cut the salaries of the staff. They are overpaid. Trust me. They are overpaid. I can tell you. I wasn't overpaid as an adjunct, but I was an adjunct. I taught at the graduate level at Grand Valley State University in their graduate level of taxation. And I saw so many loser students. These weren't undergrads. These were graduate students. People who would uh, answer an exam with two sentences and they had three hours 
or two hours. I remember a guy wanted to flunk him so badly, and I still kicked myself for not doing it. I gave him a D minus, gross over compensation of what he earned. I saw just a lot of lazy people, and that was a while back. I don't get it. Now, there are some who study and work hard. God bless them. They will be rewarded for their efforts. But to let them off the hook on a student loan, a loan that they took on voluntarily, you and I are involuntarily being forced to pay. In fact, I'm going to give you a bit of a, uh, an idea how to deal with this in public debate. When you're talking to friends or not-so-friendly people who are pushing for the student loan forgiveness, I've got something you can ask them that'll nail them. We'll be right back. The Robin Malter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to The Robin Walter Show. P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Or go to robinwalter.net and use PayPal. That's The Robin Walter Show. P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Or robinwalter.net and use PayPal. Thank you. We are back. This is the Robin Walters Show. God bless. I can't name her. Uh, but I had a listener write this last week who told me, she said, I love when you play Wilson Pickett. The Pickett. Wilson, I love the guy. When I play him and Mustang Sally, I'm, I'm twitching in my seat here. I still have all my dance moves, just to let you know, from a gazillion years ago. I've lost nothing, although looking at me, you'd probably said I gained nothing when I had it. But nonetheless, and uh, Jenny Take a Ride by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Love that song. Okay. Where the heck was I? See, this is a problem. If I dare digress, I go down a rabbit hole, and then I just kind of toast to myself. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, when... You are in a debate with somebody or just a discussion, and they're saying, well, we should give these kids a, a break. And you could say, well, do you, so are you saying then we should saddle? Deal with these people with questions. Do you think then we should saddle the people that have, that never went to college and are working really hard? Why should they be paying involuntarily the debt of those who voluntarily took on the debt or the ones who paid it off? So the question you'd ask is simply this. Well, who do you think should be responsible for the debt? The students who took it on voluntarily or sticking it to taxpayers 
involuntarily? They won't be able to answer that question. I mean, they'll come up with something. But you win. You just won. Ask them the question. There's a whole bunch of debates. We covered this about three weeks ago, how to win a debate with a leftist. And it's by asking questions that they can't answer. They're too embarrassed. They'll make stupid stuff up to try to let themselves feel good and then also help them get away from the encounter with you. But you may have them starting to think. So these students take it on voluntarily. Why are we stuck involuntarily with this? And the precedent that is set, let me ask this startling question. Would not an incoming freshman this fall with a student debt relief begin to think, hey, I probably am going to get off the hook. I'll, Hey, I'll borrow even more because they'll let me off the hook too. And they may let me off the hook for even more than the current people are getting let off the hook. I'll borrow up my yin-yang because I won't have to pay it. How many people will go to college for whom college is not the best choice? How many will go to college who really don't want to go, but because it's free now, in essence, or the belief that it's going to be free? I can't tell you that I absolutely know what you get from a student loan today. Yes, a bunch of it goes to tuition. Does all of it go to tuition? I'm not sure. Do you get some spending money for your room and board? Well, I don't know. If you do, then you've got some students who think, hey, why not do this? I don't have to go to class. Screw it. I'll go get the job I was going to get while I should have been in school. I'll hang around for a couple of semesters, and with this extra money... Hey, free beer, free pizza. Look at the precedent you set when you have a program like this. This never reverses, never, ever, until we go bankrupt. And we basically are bankrupt in this country, $32 trillion in debt now. Which leads to one of my favorite topics, how do you get rid of this debt? Well, some states just simply have to leave the union. Say, sorry, Joey, no brains. Uh, This is your debt. You handle it. Not having it. We're starting our own country. Just kiss my fanny if you don't like it. We're out of here. We're going to have a country based on biblical morals, sound principles, common sense. People pay their debts or they don't get the loan. They can't pay it. Don't take it out. So I said one of the ways to take care of this is to cut the funding. Um, I'm sorry, to reduce and force a tuition reduction at the schools. Well, what you're you're going to say? Well, then that just raises the uh, amount. Well, I mean, how are they going to get by? You force the reduction in the tuition. How does the school cover that? They cut their salaries, which need to be cut. They work on their endowment, which needs to be cut into. And the other thing that you do is, at the state level, you cut the funding to the schools. So if I was governor of Arizona, I think I'd be a good governor. I do. I may fly off the handle here and then. I may color outside the lines. I may go off the rails. 
hey, we could use some of that every now and then, as long as it's just not my defining characteristic, I would suggest and encourage a bill that would radically reduce the allocation going to the state universities and the colleges. They got their endowments. Let them live off that. Let them cut teacher salaries. Why the heck did all these college professors and teachers continue on full pay, full benefits, womb-to-tomb mentality, and provision for them during COVID while the rest of us had our incomes cut and lost jobs? Unless we took the stupid-ass vax. I got a lot I'd like to share about that today. I don't think I better because I'm already getting worked up. Let those who enjoy the benefits of the debt pay the debt. Pay the debt. Uh, I want to. I, you know what? I want to cover something here before I get to what the Bible says, which is more important than what Inez Stepman says, and it's certainly more important than what I say. But I want people listening. You have students. If you're a student, listen to this. Determine whether or not this on-campus college education is really worth the mountains of debt that you'd be taking on. Whether you get forgiven of it or not, I don't want to pay your debt. But if you are a psych major, you are a social major, you are basically a liberal arts student, A lot of college is an incredible waste of time. I can tell you, I went there, and it was a long time ago, and a liberal arts poli-sci major. Poli-sci major, my goodness sakes. Talk about probably what was a worthless degree. I don't remember any of it. I don't remember. Well, I take that back. I do remember one thing from four years of political science sitting in a classroom. I was mostly looking at girls. I was thinking about the party. Yeah, I listened to the conversations, but it was in one ear and out the other. The only thing I remember was a guy who said that when you get right down to it, there is no difference between communism and fascism. We like to think that the fascists go to the right and the communists go to the left. Well, they do from the top of the circle, but let them push their ideology out and see where they end up. They end up in the 6 o'clock position together at the bottom of the circle. There's no difference between communism and fascism when ultimately the government can tell you anything and everything they demand of you, control all the resources, and they can kill you anytime time they really feel like it. No difference. That stuck with me. Was it worth four years of school? Eh, not really. I mean, I'm not sorry I went because I had to get an undergraduate degree to go to law school. But I couldn't. I could have gotten a better one like history or economics. Those are ones that might be helpful if they're not taught from a leftist perspective. So even even good degrees, good degrees that would be good if properly taught, are bad in a lot of institutions. Go to uh, some place like Hillsdale College in Michigan if you want a history degree an economics degree, go to schools that really understand and teach economics and history without a leftist lens, a leftist ideology driving the whole curriculum because it will be garbage in and garbage out. It's only two things about history. Those who 
those who endured it and those who write about it. And those who write about it change the story of those who actually did it. When you're at a bad school, when you're at a lousy school. So, coming down the pike here, as they say, uh, east of the Mississippi, what does the Bible say? I, You know, I mean, the Bible doesn't say to go to college. The Bible doesn't say not to go to college. But it has a lot to do about debt. And in fact, okay, I told you about the first, the book that's out, The Rapture Revisited. Finally, a lawyer takes a look at end-time events. The second book is written called Things I Picked Up Along the Way and A Few Things I Should Have Left Behind. It's all written. It's being proofed. It's getting ready to go to a publisher or self-publish. I'll let you know when it does because you're going to enjoy this book. It's partly devotional, partly confessional. I confess sins. I confess mistakes. I give biblical uh, responses that meant something to me and have helped redirect my life, all with a pretty healthy dose of satire. Because it's hard for me to not be satirical and on occasionally sarcastic. But I have a chapter in this book which I've just started mentally. And it's directed to millennials. They're gonna want millennials are gonna want to read this book. It's not Dave Ramsey-ish. I come at it from a whole different perspective biblically but a very different perspective. And one of these chapters is going to be how to recover, how to redeem all the money you wasted on a college education. Now understand, it's not going to be for everybody because some college educations are absolutely necessary. But how do you recover from this mistake? How do you recover from the, the woman I was talking about hiring for the insurance position? Uh, not re- recovery for her, but the but the but the girl that who was just a disaster in the job market with a sense of entitlement. To whom I would say, sweetheart, you've made two big mistakes in your life, and I will say this in the book. Number one, you spent four years on an utterly useless curriculum. Unless you really truly want to be a sociologist or really truly want to be a psych grad, but I'll tell you what, how many, I mean, psych, psychologists or psychiatrists, how many really go on to that? 5%, 6%, 95% don't know jack what they want to do, so they just get some worthless degree with screwed up ideas from a secular institution that teaches them ways of entitlement and anything but the biblical way. What I would say and would have said to the young woman if I were interviewing her, sweetheart, sounds condescending, right? I don't care. I'm old enough I can talk that way. (laughs) Sweetheart, you have made two mistakes. What are they? Well, only two mistakes that I actually can verify by virtue of our interview. Number one, you went out and got an utterly worthless degree. It's worthless. It means nothing to me. You could have partied 40 hours a week and gotten this degree because it's easy. It's it's the degree to nowhere. And number two, you went into debt for a worthless degree. This is double stupid. 
So I have to ask you, sweetheart, why would I hire somebody for this position who exercises so little sound judgment to get a worthless degree and go into debt for a degree that doesn't entitle you to anything, certainly, and it doesn't qualify you, certainly, for anything, unless you really plan to be a social worker or whatever. Well, I didn't know what to do. Then why why go into debt for something you don't know what you want or what to do? Get a correspondence course. Get sociology online. Save 70 grand. Because here's the deal when it comes to when it comes to jobs, there's only two kinds or only two times, I'm sorry, that where you went to school really matters. Number one, it matters for a lot of employers for your first job. So if you went to Harvard, although I think Harvard is grossly overrated with their diversity, inclusiveness, their corporate woke crap, all the LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ, critical race theory, all the crap that makes me puke and would cause me to demand a refund from Harvard. Nonetheless, there are places that will give the upper tip of the hand to the Harvard graduate, to somebody who went, who's got a community college associate's degree from Podunk Community College, which didn't cost them anything, I might add, but Harvard has them 125 k in debt. They might care, but I want to tell you, for your second job, no one, while very few people, actually give a rat's rear end about where you went to school. They want to know what you did and how well you performed and what you accomplished on your last job. So unless that Harvard grad is really stellar at their last job, the next job doesn't mean diddly. The degree doesn't mean diddly for the next job. But in a few occasions. And the only other time that it makes a difference is when it's from a law school and you're being considered for a judicial appointment or clerkship. They want the notable schools. They, those are the schools they want, uh, and they, you're sort of pre-qualified already. And why? Because when, you're, uh, when you have practiced law and you're now being considered for a judicial appointment, they don't really know what you did in the last job. Job performance is not easily identifiable. As an attorney. So those are the two times. But ultimately, what does the Bible say? Well, Bible has a lot to say about debt. Let's consider, first of all, well, there are two cases where Jesus is talking about a master with an unjust steward, a servant. And one of them, the steward is really crooked. He's shady. And he knows he, he's been caught by his master. And so he goes around... And he starts uh, going to people who owe his master money and cuts the debt in half. They pay him. The master, by virtue of the relationship with the steward, has to honor the reduced debt that the steward engaged in. And the steward then considers this a smart move. And God, in the word, seems to sort of commend him for his ingenuity because he's created friends on the outside who, who will receive him and help him after he gets his tush fired by his master. 
But he had the legal right to reduce the debt, legal right, but he was morally incorrect. But now let's get more to even deeper to the point where the master has a servant, a steward, who has come to him deeply in debt to the master, pleads his case, crocodile tears. The master forgives that servant of a huge debt. And what does he do? There are people who owe him money, and he goes around and he and he uh, shakes them loose for a pittance of a debt. He said, "Pay up! Or you're going to go to the jail. You're going to." And it's nothing. He goes and he shakes down his little dinky creditors for the pittance. He doesn't forgive them, even though his master has forgiven him much, 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 much. And God, the master, God in this case, as I see it, calls him to task. Now, I, I realize it relates to the forgiveness of sins. And for, and we who many and much sin has been forgiven, then we turn around and we don't forgive those who have actually grieved us far, far, far less than we have grieved the Lord. I get the bigger point, but the bigger point is worthless if the analogy doesn't fit. So, who is it that gets to dissolve debt? You got five seconds. Time's up. The one to whom the debt is owed. No place in Scripture is the debtor in a position to have his debt exonerated by someone who is not the creditor. Now, we can do it voluntarily. That's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? He comes by and he finds a man that's all beaten up, takes him to the inn, his wounds get dressed, he pays the innkeeper, says, hey, if there's anything more that I owe you when I come back, I will catch up. It is great to voluntarily pay somebody else's debts. Voluntarily pay somebody else's debts. But not involuntarily. There's no obligation to do that. See, that was voluntary by the Good Samaritan. We have churches today who have raised a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, five million dollars, and are going out there and helping pay the debts of people who are medical debtors, people who have huge hospital bills. And they can't pay them. The next step is bankruptcy. Those are the good Samaritans. They have no obligation. But they do follow the biblical passage that I learned, even though I wasn't a Christian, owe no man anything but love. They go out and help resolve the man's debts out of love. Voluntarily. That's not the case here. There is nothing biblical about forcing the payment of one person's debt on other people. No surprise that Joe Biden is unbiblical. He is not biblical on anything. He's got a he's he's on a fast bound train to hell. There's nothing in, indicating to me that he would be headed to heaven. I mean, he's still got time. 
But maybe he's too brainless to comprehend the gospel anymore. But consider this. Where in Scripture it says, Oh, an admonition. Do not be a surety for somebody else. Don't go co-signing for your buddy. Don't go just do Somebody say, well, Dad, will you co-sign for me? Well, Dad will because Dad doesn't want to offend the son, wants to help him get a car and all of that stuff. So maybe that works out okay, but maybe it doesn't. But Scripture says, do not be a surety. Do not be a co-debtor with someone else who is the one who has received the money or the benefits of the debt. You get nothing for being a co-signer except maybe holding the bag, big time. And what does Scripture say? If you are locked into a situation where, well, you've voluntarily co-signed, but trust me, you're involuntarily assuming the man's debt when he reneges on his debt. He defaults. He files bankruptcy. And now they're looking at you. And you're upset. You don't have any relationship with this person anymore because they stiffed you. So what does the Bible tell you if you're in that kind of a relationship where you're hooked up in what really is not a voluntary situation in the truest sense? You're involuntarily, because of connections, affections, relationship, or what have you, connected to this person, and you help sign for the debt. What does the Bible say? Get out of it ASAP. Get out of that debt pronto. Do, stop everything. Stop everything you do and get yourself extricated from that situation, from that other person's debt, which will be involuntarily, actually, when it comes down to it, imposed upon you. The government has no ability, no moral right, they have ability, no moral right to impose the debt of certain people on the other people. Well, you might say, well, it's the government that's the creditor. No, they're not. The government doesn't have any money of its own. It only has what it takes from you and what it prints, which is causing our runaway inflation. And this is inflationary, the student debt abatement. There is no biblical basis for what Joe Biden is doing or the Democrats or any one of them who are simply a a pack of demonic, satanically driven, fueled, inflamed, instigated by the devil himself, they are worthless packs of rats. They are worth nothing. Democrats suck to a degree the likes of which I never thought I would ever see in my life. And so what do we do? We oppose these things. We stand up. Don't send your kids to woke schools. Get them out of the CRT. Critical race theory. It's a theory. Evolution is a theory. Why aren't we teaching facts instead of theories? Isn't that what school's about? Well, they take a theory because they don't have the, they don't have the facts, so they teach theory, but then they teach theory as though they're facts. Liberate your children and your grandchildren from schools that don't deserve them, who don't have the right to mentally molest your children and your grandchildren, to toy with their souls, turning them into twice the child of hell that those professors are. 
There's a few good ones. Just talked to one yesterday, said, I can't take it anymore. Can't take it anymore. I'm going to go to a Christian school. Can't do this. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. No, sit tall in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride for the brand, brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you. We'll see you next week.